Romans chapter 11, verses 33 through 36. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? That question there in verse 34 is coming from Isaiah chapter 40 verse 13. And then, who has ever given to God that God should repay them? That verse comes from Job chapter 41 verse 11. For, through, for from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. For 11 chapters, Paul has shown how God has reconciled sinners to himself, how Christ justifies us through his death in the past, and sanctifies us through his life in the present. How we are not to live according to the law, but according to grace, by the power and the filling of the Holy Spirit, and how God integrates both Jews and Gentiles into the olive tree, his body, the church, for his glory. So now Paul concludes this section of his letter with a short hymn of praise, what we would refer to as a doxology. And this kind of hymns of praise show up at other passages, show up in other passages of scripture, including in other Pauline epistles, or including in other Pauline letters, where you'll see phrases such as, to God be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Right? So that's a, a similar kind of phrase or a hymn or a, just an exuberant praise that is made before the Lord. And you'll see that in different passages of scripture. And this, this is an expression of praise to God, typically where Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are referenced. And you'll see that. You know, you'll see that reference in these, these doxologies. Now, since we've just learned about the olive tree, our Jewish roots are being grafted in as Gentile believers so that we may abide in Christ, and we've just learned about the directive for us to learn from and benefit from what the children of Israel knew of God, that we would learn of the olive tree. It's worth noting that Paul's hymn of praise is very much in line with what would have been practiced in the Jewish synagogues of old. And it is a continuing tradition in synagogues today. They do this even today. In an, so in modern times, in our generations, in our times, where each section of the service, so in the Jewish synagogue where each section of the service would be there, would be going through, they would close out that section with a hymn of praise, with an expression of praise. These would be opportunities to pause and to reflect and to give glory to God. Right? Um, and uh, just yesterday I was listening to some of these things. I was actually watching some videos of Jewish services, Jewish synagogue services. And it's powerful when the cantor will sing these praises to God and they just express these, these, you know, these, these hymns of praise to God. They're very powerful. Um, so 
the, in, our, in the church today, in what we do, we often close our sections of our services with our own doxologies of hymns, readings, recitations, and blessings. Some of them are direct quotes from scripture, and some of them are based on scripture. But we tend to do that in our own services. And you'll, most of these kinds of doxologies, you'll find them most noticeably in liturgical services. You know, so in churches where they have a liturgy, an order of service, of, and a, you know, a, a liturgy that they follow, you will find these kinds of hymns of praise, these doxologies, right? Uh, but a doxology that is well known in both liturgical and non-liturgical churches, that is not directly from the Bible, but is based on different verses, it goes like this. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above, ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. You're familiar with that. And we, we hear it and we are you know, prompted as we think about it. And we say, oh, wow, it's beautiful. Right? So with that as the background, let's return to the text. What we read in Romans chapter 11, verses 33 through 36. And the way that Paul starts this out, the oh, oh, right here at the start of Paul's exuberant praise, oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. It's a very deliberate exclamation. I mean, he could have chosen not to write that, right? He could have just said oh, all the riches. But he says, oh, why? Because it's like the word behold in the Bible. Behold, behold. You know, when, you, when, you, when, you are, when you see those words, when you see those expressions, when you see those exclamations, we're meant to stop and pay attention. When we hear, oh, we know that we're getting into some wonderful truths about God. And so this sincere praise is coming from one who knows God and longs for God to be made known. So he says, oh, the riches. And you can, you can just hear that, that sincere praise in Paul when he says, oh, I, I know this God and I want to make him known to you. This is grateful praise being expressed from the mouth because it is overflowing from the heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth is speaking. The words are being written to say, oh, the riches, oh, the praise, oh, the glory of God. Right? And you sing this and you say this. And what is Paul exuberant about? He's exuberant about God who is all wise. God's actions are purposeful and effective. And he's exuberant about God being all-knowing. He knows everything. He foreknows everything. And he's exuberant. Paul is exuberant about the fact that this God, this mighty God, is pouring out that wisdom and knowledge on us. And he says there are unfathomable depths of the riches of God's wisdom and knowledge for us. That's what he's excited about. That's what he's giving praise for. But here's the important point. The more we gain God's knowledge and wisdom, the more we realize 
how much we don't know. Unsearchable judgments is how he refers to it. Untraceable paths. Unknown mind. That's the reference that Paul is making. He's saying, oh, thank God for his wisdom and his knowledge. And guess what? Unsearchable. We, don't, we, we, we can't search out and know all his judgments. We can't trace out his paths. We can't know everything that is of the Lord or of his mind. We gain the wisdom and knowledge of God, but the point that he's making is that we should never presume to know more than we do. Never assume. Never presume. Never say, oh, I, I, I got it. I've been a Christian for 10 years, 20 years, 40 years, 10 days. I know it. I've got it. Right? God reveals, but we don't see everything. God gives us discernment, but we can't judge every motive and intent of the heart, our own hearts or someone else's hearts. God instructs, but we don't always comprehend. God leads, but we sometimes stumble. So we don't presume. When we gain some wisdom and knowledge, Paul's reminding us by quoting those scriptures, we can't counsel God on what to do. I, I've got it. I know, I know what to do, God. I know, I know how to proceed. Why did that happen, God? That's not what I was expecting. How come this other thing didn't happen, God? That's what I would have wanted. But Paul says, hey, you may have wisdom and knowledge from God. You may be getting revelation, insights, all sorts of things. You are a child of God. And he's making himself known to you. But don't presume that you can counsel God. That you can say, I know, I know what needs to be done. And if it doesn't happen that way, I'm disappointed. I'm unhappy. Just like the children of Israel did back then. We tend to question God today about every, almost every circumstance of our lives. And we say, why this? Why not that? How come this? Why not that? What about the timing of this? Why wasn't it sooner? We question God. And when we receive the riches of God, not just these spiritual blessings, but truly just the material things too, the provision. When the Lord that says, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you and he provides richly for us everything that we need for life and godliness. When we receive the riches of God and we even allow some of those things to move through our hands and into the body of Christ and into the world and so on, we can't outgive God. We can't say, hmm, God gave, I gave too. We didn't. And we can't obligate God by our giving. We can't say, you gave me this and I gave all of this back to you, therefore, answer my prayer. Therefore, do this. Therefore, move in this way. That's what Paul's reminding us. He says, uh, you, can't, you can't have God repay something for you. You can't obligate God. You can't say to God, look at how I'm giving of my time, my talent, my treasure. So God, you owe me. God doesn't owe us anything. There is nothing. 
that he needs to repay. That's what Paul's reminding us. So as we've seen in previous weeks, when God gives us his knowledge and wisdom, we must remain humble. We must be saturated in the word of God. Even to praise the Lord, Paul is using scripture. And many times you will find this. We were experiencing this just at home the other day. Many times you will find this. You want to praise the Lord. You want to worship Him. You want to give thanks to Him. And what comes to your mind is Scripture. Something that you learned in Sunday school a whole long time ago. Something that you sang in a song. Maybe and never remembered it for months, years, whatever. And the Lord just brings it back and you express that in thanksgiving. Why? Because as you're saturated in the Word of God, as the word fills your heart and then comes out of your mouth, you're able to praise and worship him in the very terms that make sense, in the very truths of God himself. And so when we are saturated in the word of God so that it informs everything that we think, everything that we say, everything that we do, we continue to learn and to grow. We continue to apply what we have already attained as we are led by the Holy Spirit. That's our experience. We don't become proud, boastful, hypocritical, looking down on somebody else, looking at something happening in someone else's life and saying, well, that didn't happen to me because. No, we say, Lord God, I thank you. I praise you. I thank you for your knowledge and your wisdom, but help me to apply this knowledge and this wisdom in a way that will glorify you and will build up the church. Not for my gain, not for me to boast, not even as Mike was saying right at the beginning, not to come with persuasive words, not to say to somebody, see the knowledge and wisdom that God gave me, let me show you what I've learned. No, but rather to come to him in humility. There's one more statement in this passage that we need to pay attention to, and especially as we draw near to the end of this year. A few more days and 2021 is done. A few more days and we'll enter into a new year. And we've gone through a lot in this past year. Uh, and the year before. But, and some of us have gone through a lot more than others. It has been a difficult year. We've struggled. We've been overwhelmed. We've grieved. We've felt isolated and lonely. We've wondered if our prayers were being answered. We've worried about our children. We've worried about the future. We've worried about the world. And in the middle of all of that, we've also had victories. We've rejoiced. We've experienced the care and love of our families, friends, and church. We've grown closer to the Lord and to others. We've matured as disciples of Christ. That has also happened. But as we look back on the year, whether, the, whether we think that it was largely good or we think it was largely bad, most of us, most often, think of everything that has happened based on our own point of view. We evaluate the year based on our point of view. And we say, it was good, it was bad. But it is our filter. Verse 36 says, for from him... And through him and for him are all things. 
to him be the glory and forever. Amen. Here's what that means. Our careers, our spouses, our children, our homes, our resources, our gifts, and everything else in our lives are not from us. They are not built up or sustained because of us. And they are not for us. We are often disappointed in our jobs, our spouses, our children, our church. Not here, not, not at this church. Speaking, we're often disappointed of all, in all these things. We're always disappointed. Ah. You know why? When they don't meet our expectations. And why don't they meet our expectations? Because they think that all these things and all these people are for us. And we set our expectations based on what we think, what we want, when we want it, how we want it, and where we want it. And when it doesn't go that way, we're upset. But all things, all people, all circumstances, they are all from God. He's the source. How many times have you said, I, I brought you into this world. You've got to do what I say. I can take you out of the world, you know, as a parent. If, you've, if you haven't said that, you've thought that. You know? No. Those children are not yours. They are from the Lord. He's the source. And all things, all circumstances, all people, they are through God. You're not sustaining them. You're not providing for them. You're not protecting them. You're not doing something that says, ah, they now owe me. They don't. They are through God. And He directs their paths. He provides for them. He protects them. He will fulfill His will and His purpose in their lives. Your fears or your failures your concerns or your provisions are ultimately not the, not the measure. The only thing that you can do, the best thing that you can do is to say, Lord God, I want to let my children, I want to let my people, I want to, those that I'm associating with, I want to let people around me know you. Because if they are from you and they are through you, then they will be for you. You see, we think of all these things around us as if they are for us. But God says it is all for him. For him. For his glory. When our thinking and therefore our expectations are transformed according to the mind of Christ, and like I mentioned, we're going to get into more of this next week when we're in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. But when our thinking and our expectations 
are transformed by the renewing of our minds. When we start to see what God wants, when He wants it, how He wants it, where He wants it, when we start to die to self, to our passions and desires, to our way of thinking, our expectations, when we live not in our own strength, but by the life of Christ in us, when we live as stewards of God and not as owners of what is in our lives, when we say, oh God, this is yours, I hold all these things with a very open hand, and I hold them very loosely because these are yours, this is not mine. When we start to think like that, when we start to live like that, when we start to serve like that, when we seek to serve rather than to be served, then we start to understand the attributes of God that cause us to declare, to God alone be the glory. Amen. Which brings us to this important point of application. We respond and apply by praising God always. We respond and apply the word of God that we're hearing, that we're reading, that we're studying by praising God always. Mike reminds us almost every Sunday, but I want to tell you again. Praise and worship is not because there's a great singer leading us or a worship team that is facilitating that time. Praise and worship is not even just for music. Praise and worship is that we would come to the Lord, whether you're by yourself, or by your, with your family, with the church, or in whatever other way, just driving down the road, whatever it may be. And we take time to worship God, and that you will find yourselves at times just joyfully exclaiming, Oh, the goodness of God. Oh, the faithfulness of God. Oh, the holiness of God. Oh, the forgiveness of God. Oh, the mercy and kindness of God. Oh, the plans and purposes of God. Oh, the love of God that he calls me his own. Oh, the desire of God to be in relationship with me that he transforms me into his image. Oh, that we would say, oh God, you are good and worthy to be praised. You are good and I come to you in every opportunity that I have to praise you and to worship you and to give thanks to you. That's our worship. That's our glory. That's our praise. At the beginning of the message, I referenced a familiar doxology which was popularized in 1674. It was popularized as the final verses or the final stanza, final expression of two different hymns that were intended to be sung in the morning and in the evening. And so these Christians, these believers would sing these hymns in the morning and end it with that doxology. They would sing a hymn in the evening and they would end it with that doxology. And they would say, praise God. Praise God. This morning I want to challenge you as we've come to the end of the year. What is it that you've held on to this year? And what is it that you were 
disappointed in this year because it was not according to your expectations. Because you said, this was meant for me. This was for, this was for me. And it didn't happen that way. What is it that you need to give up and say, Lord God, this was not actually for me. This was for you. And if your purpose was fulfilled, if your will was done, if you were glorified in this, then that's all that's necessary. Regardless of loss and grief and sadness and, and, and difficulty and disease and calamity and pandemics, and regardless of it all, regardless of it all, Lord God, let your name be glorified. Let your will be done. Not mine. Not my fulfillment of expectations. Not people doing what I want. But you, God, glorified. You, God, lifted high. And so I praise you. I thank you. You know, when, when we are dead, it's very easy to praise. Because you're not thinking about all those things that are holy. Oh, yeah, I praise God, but oh, but about this. I praise God, but oh, my child. I praise God, oh, my, but my job. You say, oh, I praise God because I've given it all to Him. I praise God because He is faithful and good and He will take care of these things. And I praise God that as I go into this new year, oh, I'm going to continue to offer up hymns of praise. I'm going to keep saying, oh Lord God, you are worthy of my praise. I give you my life. I give you my everything. You are. You are everything for me. Because it is for you. It is for you. It is from you. It is through you. It is for you. And so this morning, let's stand together. Let's sing. Let's worship. Let's praise the Lord and say, Lord God, I offer up a hymn of praise. I offer up my thanksgiving. I worship.